Well, this morning I want to talk to you about the anointing. Our theme for the month is the anointing of the Spirit. And in particular, I want to talk to you about the anointing for today. For today and what that means. And we're going to continue this on uh, next week as well. But I can remember when I was about 15 years of age, I received some news that uh, actually devastated me at the time. And the news was this, that one of my heroes in gospel music had been killed in a plane crash. Many of you remember Keith Green. One of my heroes, I actually got the opportunity as a young kid of seeing Keith Green in concert in, uh, in Perth. And um, I just followed his music. I sang all his music back in those days. And, and when I heard that he had died, I was absolutely devastated. I can remember going to my bedroom, sitting down on the end of my bed. And I can remember praying a prayer like this. And I said, God, Keith Green is now with you. And he has left an indelible mark on Christian music. He's changed music. He's such a great prophetic worshipper. And then I said this. I said, God, I know that he's with you now, so he doesn't need that anointing anymore. (laughs) So, God, please, please, can I have his anointing? Now, listen, I was a naive 15-year-old. I didn't really fully understand what I was saying. But what I did understand was this, that afterwards I just felt his Holy Spirit gently prompt me and say, hey, John, everyone who has come to a knowledge of me, who has accepted me, has the Holy Spirit within and has the anointing within. So you've got your own anointing and you just need to learn to use that anointing for the glory of God. Amen. The reason I say that is because each one of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour has the anointing of the Holy Spirit abiding within us. And so that means we are all anointed for purpose by God. Isn't that exciting news? Isn't that great? But you know, there are so many misunderstandings of this word anointing. There are so many misconceptions. So what I want to do today is I actually want to uh, teach rather than preach, if that's all right, because I believe that we need to understand this word anointing and what happens in our lives today. You might have heard sayings like this. You might have heard people say things like this, and I... I think I've been guilty of saying these things from time to time as well, that I've been praying for a greater anointing in my life. Or you might have heard, I need more of the anointing. Or there is a fresh new anointing coming today. Or I believe in the double portion anointing. Have you heard that one? It's from Elisha, where Elisha asked for the double portion from Elijah. And we used to sing a song years ago, let your mantle fall on me, a double portion of your spirit, Lord. And I I was always confused as to what that actually uh, meant. You might have heard things like this. Our church has a corporate anointing, a corporate anointing for 
missions or for praise and worship or for something else. And so I think the confusion that we have when it comes about with this word anointing, it comes from the practice and administration of the anointing in the Old Testament in the Bible and the transference of that to the New Testament and to today. And so we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. There is a literal anointing and there is an impartational anointing. Both of those things represented in the Bible. We're going to have a look at those things. So let's define this morning what the anointing actually is. Anointing can mean one of two things. Firstly, there's simply a literal definition of the anointing. It's, it means this, to be smeared or rubbed with oil or fragrance. That's simply what it means. So the fact is, some of you today might have put some product in your hair. Hey, I'm jealous. You might have put some product in your hair. You might have put some, some gel or some mousse or gel or... Who remembers Brill Cream? <laughs> well, if you, if you did that, if you did that, you can honestly say today that you are anointed. You've been anointed by yourself, but you've been anointed. Because that is the literal meaning of anointing. The fact is, is that some of you may have gone to a day spa. Uh, for a massage. I've never done that, but you may have gone to a, a day spa for a massage and they, apparently they use oils, certain oils, and they massage you. If that's happened to you, you have been anointed. The fact is you leave the day spa, you can proudly proclaim, today I've been anointed. But that's the literal meaning. But then there is the figurative meaning of the anointing. There is the spiritual impartation of the anointing and this is what what that means it means to be chosen as if by divine election to be chosen you are anointed if you are chosen by divine election by something that God has done he has chosen you so with that particular understanding we can actually declare today that every follower of Jesus Christ is anointed that's good news every follower is anointed listen to what 1 Peter 2 9 says but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Friends, that's divinely chosen, divinely elected by God that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. So the anointing is the fact that you are chosen, divinely elected by God himself. How good is that? I don't, I don't think we fully understand that. You know, you didn't just make a decision to follow Jesus. That's part of it. You responded. You didn't just make a decision, but he chose you. I think if we got that into our spirit and understood that, hey, I didn't just make a decision based on the fact that I think this is all right and this is all true, but that God himself chose me. Wow. That's incredible. We need to understand that. So the anointing is the fact that you're chosen, divinely elected by God. But 
let's just dig a little bit deeper. Can we do that this morning? Let's dig a little bit deeper. There is a scripture in the New Testament that adds to our understanding when we talk about the anointing of God. And it's 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21, 22. I want to read that to you in the New King James and then I'll read it to you in the Amplified because I think that will help explain this concept a whole lot more. In the New King James it says this, Now he who establishes us with you, so this is Paul talking to the the church at Corinth, now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Now in the Amplified, but it is God who confirms and makes us steadfast and establishes us in fellowship with you in Christ and has consecrated and anointed us with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He has also appropriated and acknowledged us as his by putting his seal upon us and giving us his Holy Spirit in our hearts as the security deposit and guarantee of the fulfilment of his promise so that's a lot of words but what is this actually telling us well we see represented here God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit in this passage and it's talking here about the anointing that Paul and and the people at Corinth the church there is flowing in and it says this basically that the anointing is established and confirmed by the Father it's consecrated and anointed by Christ, remembering that Christ was and is the Messiah, Messiah meaning the anointed one, and sealed and assured by the Holy Spirit. That's pretty incredible. That's pretty profound. As I was thinking through this, I thought the anointing is initiated by the Father, consecrated by the Son, and activated by the Holy Spirit in our lives. Wow. Oh, there's a lot of food for thought there. You see, our anointing flows out of Christ's anointing imparted to us by the Holy Spirit. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you were saved and you were filled. You were anointed with the Holy Spirit. There was something that took place at that moment in time, an activation in your spirit by the Spirit of God. So can we dig just a little bit deeper? Let's go just a a little bit further with this understanding of the anointing. It means this. It means that there's no such thing as a greater anointing or more of the anointing. I've been guilty of saying that myself. I know what I mean, but perhaps it's not said the way I should say it. Because there's no such thing as a greater anointing or more of the anointing because when you got saved, you didn't get half the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3.19 tells us that we're filled with the fullness of God. We can't get our heads around that, but that's what it says. The fullness of God. So it's actually a misconception for us to, to think that well, the anointing on my life gets depleted. Over a period of time, I go through all sorts of stuff and it gets depleted and then I've, I've got to somehow get the tank filled again. I've got to top it up. 
It doesn't work like that because we are filled with the, uh, with the fullness of God. And rather than understanding it in terms of fill me up, Lord, we need to have in our mind to press into the fullness of the Spirit that's already there. It's already been imparted to us. So why then does it seem that some have a greater anointing than others? Again, I've been guilty of that. I've been looking at various preachers and they preach with such power and eloquence and, and the, the, the poetry just drips off the tongue and they present in such a charismatic, incredible way. And I've been guilty of thinking, man, they have such a great anointing. And then I've looked at other preachers who maybe aren't so eloquent and a little bit more staid in their delivery. And I think, well, yeah, yeah, good what they're saying, but man, the anointing on that guy. You see, the reason is this, is that we tend to place different values on different giftings in operation. And we call one greater than the other. But here's the main reason why it would appear sometimes that some have a greater anointing than others. And we do have a role to play in this. You see, because our faith and our obedience and our hunger for God and, and all the things of God can harness the flow of the anointing in our life. And adversely, our sin our disobedience, our apathy towards God can hinder the flow of the anointing in our life. And that's why we may see that. Here's something else to consider. There is no fresh or new anointing. So you're going, hang on a minute. There is no fresh or new anointing. I've heard people say things, there's a new wave of the anointing coming. Now, let me just say this, that there is a sovereign move of God that happens from time to time beyond the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There is a sovereign work that he does, and we'll talk about that next week. But you know, nowhere in scripture is anybody anointed more than once. Nowhere. In Scripture, is anyone anointed more than once? So when we hear people say things like this, what they're actually saying is that there has been a fresh sense or a fresh experience or an outpouring, perhaps even an overflow of his anointing that has always been present. But this fresh outflow has brought about some sort of transformation and some sort of change. Say, so can we dig a little bit deeper? Am I losing anyone along the way? I hope not this morning. So let's talk about the purposes of the anointing because this is where it gets very real for each one of us. And this is where it gets incredibly exciting for each one of us, understanding the anointing of the Holy Spirit and how that operates and moves in our life. So I did a study of the anointing in the Word of God. I looked through Old Testament New Testament, how to look at this word and instances of the anointing. And I discovered that there were perhaps seven purposes of the anointing of the Spirit mentioned. And these purposes have a transference from the old to the new. 
These purposes have a symbolic transference uh, from the old to the new. In fact, in Jesus' day, there were literal anointings and there was this spiritual impartation anointing. And we'll have a look at that in a moment. But there's something important that we need to understand. In the Old Testament, the anointing of God rested upon people seasonally. Quite often you read through the Old Testament and says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. Or the Spirit of the Lord came upon Elijah. And so there was this resting upon in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, the anointing of the Holy Spirit indwells us permanently. Permanent. We don't just get a little touch here or a little touch there that His Spirit indwells us permanently. I just want to say this today, that the Holy Spirit doesn't vacate if we do something wrong. Because some people have this, oh man, I messed up this week bad. And so the Holy Spirit, well, He's just departed. He's gone. It doesn't work like that. You know what He does? He stays put and He starts working on the mess. He starts working. He starts transforming. He starts making change in us. How great is that? And so let me share with you some of the purposes today. We're not going to get through all of them, so we'll do some next week as well. But here's the first purpose. The purpose of the anointing was actually for presentation, for beauty, but it also speaks to us now of divine revelation. You see, literally, the anointing was to pour oil on your head so that it shined and had fragrance. It was a common practice. Even in Jesus' day, this was a, a common practice and it was probably due to the, the dust and the grime and the smell of everyday life. And so you would anoint your hair with oil. You would make it shine. Psalm 23, remember David says, you have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Jesus, when talking to the Pharisees, it's mentioned in Matthew 6, he says to the Pharisees, he says, listen, don't go about when you're fasting looking all haggard and drawn and, and drawing attention as if, oh, woe is me because you're fasting. Don't look like that and drawing attention to your own piety. But rather than that, he says, wash your face and anoint your head. Anoint your head with oil. You see, this anointing of the head that took place in regards to presentation and beauty, impartationally it represents receiving a divine revelation. Receiving a divine revelation. It is understanding the word of God through truth and grace revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Notice in Romans 12, Paul goes on and says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. So there is this transformation that takes place. There is this, this divine revelation from God that takes place to understand his word. 1 John 2 verse 20 and 27, let me read it to you. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. But then down in verse 27, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you 
And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Now, this is not saying that if you have the Holy Spirit's anointing in your life, you don't need to listen to anyone. That's not what this is saying, and we will open up this scripture next week. But what we are saying here is that the anointing of the Holy Spirit helps us understand the revelation of the Word of God and the illumination of truth by His Spirit. So we can understand this Word. The great Smith Wigglesworth, who was a healing evangelist, he was illiterate. You put a newspaper in front of Smith Wigglesworth, didn't have a clue what it was saying, couldn't read it. And yet we know that when you put a Bible in front of him, he could read it so easily and he could get incredible illumination from the Word of God. Why? Because the anointing helps us understand the revelation of the Word of God. So this is so good for us because if you are struggling to understand the deeper truths of the Word of God, have you ever had those moments you open up the Word and you think, I just don't get this. I just don't understand where this is coming from. It sort of makes sense, but I'm missing so much. Well, in that sort of situation, we can ask the Holy Spirit within. We can ask his anointing to bring fresh illumination and insight to us of the word of God. Actually happened when I was preaching this word and preparing this word. As, as I was preparing, I looked at that scripture in 2 Corinthians 1. And that whole thought, I said, God, I get this. I, I, I sort of understand that, but there's something more that I'm not quite grasping. And as I was asking the Holy Spirit, just reveal that to me. He said, initiated by the Father, consecrated by the Son, activated by the Spirit. That is the anointing in our life. How good is God? The second purpose of the anointing had to do with hospitality. And that transferred over to unity. You see, when you enter the house as a guest, your feet were washed and your head was anointed. It was a sign of honour. It was a sign of respect. Many of you remember the story in Luke 7 where Jesus goes to the house of Simon the leper. There's a whole bunch of people gathered. It's a function. It's a party. It's a hospitable time. And there's this one girl goes up to Jesus and starts anointing his feet with her tears. Starts anointing him and, and many of the people there are murmuring, thinking if Jesus knew what this girl was really like, he probably wouldn't allow that. And Jesus turns around to Simon the leper and he says uh, something along this line. He says to him, well, listen, Simon, when I came into your house as a guest today, you didn't anoint my feet with oil. You didn't wash my feet. You didn't anoint my hair. You didn't do any of those things that are common to hospitality and respect. But this woman is. See, this anointing of hospitality, this anointing of coming together as a group of people transfers to the unity that we have in fellowship with each other. It's the unity of the spirit where we find life and love and acceptance as a body of Christ. Listen to what Psalm 133 says. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren and sisters to dwell together in unity. 
It is like the precious oil upon the head. That's the anointing running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, who was the priest, running down on the edge of the garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. How good is that? But listen to what happens when this same anointing takes place in the early church in Acts 2. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What incredible unity. What amazing unity. You see, the anointing of the Holy Spirit brings true unity of spirit to our fellowship. We're family and we can experience that at a very powerful, beyond the natural kind of level, the unity of the Spirit. Here's the third purpose today. Are you with me? You've gone quiet. The third purpose mentioned in... The word of God is medicinal, which of course links into healing, healing. You see, oil and balms and various poultices were used to anoint and soothe wounds. We read of the healing balm of Gilead, a balm, an ointment that was used to heal. We read of the Luke 10, the Good Samaritan. Remember when the Good Samaritan came upon the, the man who had been beaten and robbed on the side of the road to Jericho? It says there, it tells us that the Good Samaritan went up to him and soothed and bandaged his wounds. Soothed and bandaged his wounds and then took him on to an inn where he could be cared for. So this anointing of the wounds is symbolic of healing. I just want to say this today. Healing is for today. Healing is for today. It didn't die out when the early church moved on. Healing is for today. I have seen healing. I've seen miraculous things over my years as a pastor and growing up in the church. I've seen the healing of God profoundly touch lives. Listen to what it says in James 5:14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Next verse goes on and says this, they will be healed. Doesn't say they might get lucky. They will be healed. Wow. The fact that it says that tells me that we haven't really cottoned into the power that is available to us with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But it also says this, it says, not all symbolic acts are wrong because this symbolic act, in fact, this is the only transference that I see of a practical, literal anointing taken over into the early church. We practice it today, the anointing of oil. People come to us and say, can you pray for us? Can you pray for me? I'm sick. We, we have little bottles of oil and we, we still anoint to oil, with oil to this day. So that says to me that not all symbolic acts are wrong. Sometimes they can actually support 
the reverence and the importance of that particular moment. I've seen people, like Joel received his credential today, I've seen people who have been ordained for ministry, who have been sent to the mission field or been sent to pastor a church and they've gone through a particular ceremony where they are anointed with oil. I don't have any problems with that. I don't have any problems with that, provided that that particular act that draws reverence to the moment remains symbolic of the true anointing that comes through Christ by his spirit. That's where we get confused sometimes because we put more emphasis on the symbolic act rather than the foundation of the anointing by Christ through the Spirit. You see, when we pray in faith, when we pray in the name of Jesus, the anointing releases healing power. Wow. Here's the final one for this morning. The final purpose, and I I get excited about this, is they were anointed for burial, which transfers to resurrection life. Think about that. You see, the practice in the Bible days was to anoint for burial, to embalm with oil and and spices and then wrap the body in grave clothes at death. We know that it's interesting, Jesus at birth was in gold, frankincense and myrrh. Frankincense and myrrh, spices used to anoint for burial. In Matthew 26, we read that incredible story of the, the woman who anointed Jesus with fragrant perfume from an alabaster jar. Remember that? And there were people that were getting upset there. They said, this expensive perfume. This spikenard, this expensive perfume could have been sold and the money used to feed the poor. But Jesus turns around and says, hang on a minute. She has anointed my body for burial. She's anointed me for burial and her story will be told everywhere because of it. But then after three days, Jesus goes to the cross He takes your sin and my sin upon his shoulders and he bears that to the cross. He dies upon the cross, taking the sin of the world upon his shoulders. But after three days, after three days, he rises again. See, rather than embalming and death, this burial has been replaced with resurrection life. Romans 8, 11. Let me read that to you. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Wow. You see, the anointing of the spirit is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and will raise us to eternal life. Wow. Let me just summarise for you this morning. The anointing for today. It means we have revelation of the Word of God and guidance by the Holy Spirit available to us each and every day. It means we can experience true unity 
of the Spirit. It means we can see anointed healing as we pray in faith and in the name of Jesus. It means we can be assured that because of the anointed power of the Holy Spirit, we will be raised to life eternal. If you can't get excited about that today, friends, let me tell you, perhaps we need to step more into the fullness. Wow, the anointing. We'll continue this theme next week. We'll unravel the other three purposes. But next week also, I want to look at the number one, the greatest key in seeing the flow of the anointing in your life. We'll be talking about that next week. Let's close our eyes for a moment. I said early on, I mentioned that we didn't just give our life to Jesus. He chose us. He chose us. You know, even though He chooses us, we need to respond to His invitation. And while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, there may be people here today. And there may be a stirring in your heart to accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour of your life. You may feel that God has chosen you as His child but you've never actually responded to his invitation. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, to respond and say, yeah, I want to accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour of my life. I want to accept his forgiveness of my sin. And I want to enter in to this life that Pastor John's been talking about. If that's you this morning, Can I ask you to just do one very simple thing to just raise your hand. I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down again. Then we as a church will pray a prayer together. Is there anyone who says, yes, I want to accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour of my life today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you. That, Lord, we just didn't invite you to come into our lives, but you chose us. You chose us. What an honour, what a privilege. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Fantastic.